Hey, thanks for joining us for the Big Time Talker Podcast. We're on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Burke Allen in Washington, D.C., and the show is brought to you by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. So if you're a platform speaker or your meeting planner, get together, find one another at SpeakerMatch.com. And our guest today has done a ton of speaking over the last couple of decades. He's a specialist in sales and not just selling products, but selling yourself, which is more important than ever as we come out of COVID-19. Steve Klein joins us. From Dallas, Texas, he's the author of Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes. Hello, Steve. Hello, Burke. Good afternoon. You, um, you're a Midwest guy, and I wonder if that, that Midwest upbringing and that perseverance and grit that you get as a Midwesterner has contributed to your outlook on, on success and, and sales success specifically. I consider it part of that. A lot of it had to do with the way I was raised. And obviously, my, my parents were also uh, Midwesterners, too. But a lot of it has to do with following my father. Just real quickly, I never thought about going into sales at all. And I can tell that story later if you'd like to hear it. But my father is in sales all his life. And never wanting to go into sales, I apparently picked up a lot of through osmosis from my father in terms of how I need to run my life. And that's apparently where I got it from. Where in the Midwest is home? What's your hometown? From the Chicago area. And when you say your dad was a salesman, what did he sell? And what was it that you saw about that that made you go, I want no part of this? Well, it was interesting. He sold something and he was absolutely enthusiastic about what he did. He sold a number of things, but he got in the furniture business and was selling uh, bedding, B-E-D-D-I-N-G. Okay. And then he then he got into selling bed frames, and that's where he spent the majority of his career. And he was one of the most enthusiastic people I knew of selling metal bed frames. Now, what's interesting about metal bed frames, people don't go shopping for them. They go shopping for beds. They get the front bed frame generally free when they buy the bed, and he would sell to department stores and any other retailers and I've seen videos of him uh, selling to uh, to his customers, and it was amazing how impressive he was selling something that there's no way I could get enthusiastic over. But apparently I picked that up from being around him, and because of what he did, that's why I never really wanted to get into sales because of what he sold. You, um, I read that you were a broadcaster like me. You were a, a radio news guy, uh, like a one-person newsroom at your local radio station, you got fired from that job, but then you were offered a job to come back as an account executive, as a salesperson at that radio station. Tell me about that. That's absolutely correct. When I was interviewed for the job, I had been out of college, had graduated two months earlier, and I'd been searching frantically to find a job. Now, this is way before social media and the Internet, and it was all by telephone and by letter. And I was in the Chicago area. This radio station was in Nebraska. Went to Nebraska and put on my best face and sold this general manager on being the best person to run his one-man news staff. He later told me he reluctantly, reluctantly hired me because he didn't really think I could do a good job right out of college running a one-man news staff. Six weeks later, he took me out to coffee. And during coffee, he said, you're fired. So I sat there for a few minutes looking at my, <clears throat> pardon me, looking at my coffee, 
And he said, we have a salesperson, just hired a salesperson who has a background in news. If you'd like to stay with us and become a salesperson, you two could switch jobs. And I asked him how much I'd be making. He said, the same thing you're making now plus 10% commission. I said, I take it. By the way, at the time, I was making $500 a month. And I made a little bit more in commission as a result of that. So that's how I, that was my step into sales. And, you know, as a longtime broadcaster myself, I can tell you that that selling radio advertising, that, that's a, a tough go of it. Uh, not because it doesn't work. It works incredibly well, but you're not selling a tangible thing. You're, in reality, selling air. You're selling an idea that something's going to work and drive customers into the store. That's got to be a pretty daunting task for a kid right out of college. It was, and it goes back to something you said at the introduction, uh, selling myself. And in reality, all sales is selling yourself, and even more so in selling an intangible. What was interesting, after he fired me and then rehired me, he told me to come back after lunch and give me what I needed to sell. I thought I heard him say, come back after lunch and I will train you to sell. What I received when I came back was a list of prospects to call on and a rate card. And that was it. And he said, go sell. <laughs> so I had, a, I had to figure it out on, on my own. Now, fortunately, this was a small town of 20,000. The majority of the clientele we had were retailers. And a lot of them were up and down Main Street. And our, our radio station was located on Main Street, too. So it wasn't that difficult. But I found that selling is really a big part of it. There, there's two parts. So one of the major parts is developing relationships. Once you have the relationship built you can then go and continue to sell someone. Relationships are huge, whether it's you know selling a, a product or, or selling yourself. And by the way, if you're just joining us, Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes is Steve Klein's book. He's our guest today, and uh, we'll give you a link on our podcast homepage so you can pick it up. Um, Steve, look, I, I would be remiss if, if I didn't stop the conversation right now and call out the elephant in the room. And and you touched on it early in the conversation. And that is, for a, a huge number of people, and I've run into them throughout my business career, if you say salesperson, they run the other direction. Salespeople have, uh, by and large, gotten this, this bad reputation. And there's a huge number of people that that have no interest in doing that. And, and I've had people who have, have walked away from my company. They'd rather... Uh, you know, flip burgers at a fast food place or deliver pizzas than be a salesperson. And I wonder if you could dive into the psychology of that a little bit. Why has that become, uh, you know, such a such a taboo thing in today's world? Well, generally, we see the the uh, hear or talk about the typical salesperson. It's the uh, the slick person that uh, tends to come across as a con artist. And to a certain degree, all salespeople are like that. Con and con artist starts uh, is short for um, uh, confidence. Salespeople need to have confidence. The big difference is I tell people a good salesperson has a um, service department and a, and a con, con artist doesn't because they're not actually giving you anything you're giving them money for. But it's a lot of it has to do with, a, with the uh, follow-up after the sales. But coming back to your question about the elephant in the room, it's, it's people seeing salespeople as trying to stick their hands in your pocket. Uh, part of the reason I named the book Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes is because of a story I heard from a friend of mine. Let's say you go to a major city, something like uh, New York City. It's two in the morning and you want to take a shortcut through an alley in Manhattan. And you cut through this alley and as a guy starts, 
as you walk through the alley, a guy jumps up and starts throwing rocks at you. Well, you're standing next to a garbage can. You pick up the lid to protect yourself. And you're probably thinking at that moment, if this, this guy quits throwing rocks at me, maybe we can do lunch together. Not. You want to get out. You want to get out of there. Sure. It's, it's similar. If you walk into if you walk into a retail store, uh, a clerk will walk up and say, can I help you? And the first thing out of most people's mouths is no, just looking at that moment. The shield is up. There's no way you can sell that person if you can't get through that barrier. If a salesperson pulls that shield down, the, the customer pulls it back up again. So the question is, how do you get the shield down? What comes back to what I mentioned before is developing relationship, asking questions of of the prospect to find out what they want. And that's what selling is. You ask enough questions, find out what they want, come back and propose exactly what that customer is looking for. And then you make the sale. You know, I've always found that that great salespeople, great account executives are really problem solvers. And the really, really good ones uh, smart business owners look forward to seeing them come in the door because they know that that, that account executive, that salesperson is going to help them solve a problem, whether they have too much inventory or their foot traffic is down. That's what great salespeople do. They're really, uh, if you can get to that point, you become an asset uh, for your your client. Oh, that's exactly right. The, aside from speaking, as you mentioned earlier, the two prime areas I work within are working with companies to help their salespeople become more successful and their managers to become more effective leaders. When I'm sitting down with a prospect and discussing their business, I'm asking very specific pointed questions about what they want their people to do better, taking extensive notes and making sure I have something that can help those people do that. If I walked in and say, I have this program for you that can help your leaders become better. They're going to have no idea how I know they're, it's going to help them. So it takes time by asking questions. And that's the key to selling is knowing what the prospect wants, listening to somebody very, very closely, not letting yourself talk, but letting the prospect talk. Steve Klein is our guest today. Visit him online at Steve A. Klein dot com and uh he as he said helps leaders and organizations develop something he calls the relentless mindset um and i've always been a big believer steve as a small town guy who who sort of came from behind in my life that that having a lot of grit and a lot of perseverance uh, probably means as much if not more than anything else certainly i didn't get where i am by being the best looking guy in the room or the smartest guy or the most talented guy but I, I did show up in that room every day and, uh, you know, had a lot of grit and perseverance. Is that what you mean by relentless mindset? Absolutely. It's a matter of not quitting, not giving up once you make a decision of what you want. The, the, the virus that's going around, especially in the United States today, that's, that's most devastating is not COVID. The virus is giving up and quitting and going on to something else. If you stay with something long enough, you can make that happen. Like you said, you may not have been the best or the best looking in the room, but that has nothing to do with it. It's it's a staying power that makes it work, makes it work. I have a number of stories I tell in the uh, the talk I do on the five core mindsets of relentless uh, performance on how unknowns, how people that wanted something so badly and had no choice, they stuck with it 
They made it happen. They did what they had to do. And what's really interesting, when you focus on something that you want enough, your mind helps you come up with the ideas necessary to win and achieve it. That's a big part of what I talk about, too, helping control and program your mind to help you believe and achieve the things you want to uh, you want to make happen. You know, you mentioned COVID-19. And, and look, there's no question. It's been devastating in this country and around the world for a variety of reasons. You know, people have lost their lives. Lots of people have lost loved ones. Businesses have suffered. Uh, kids have suffered who haven't been able to go to school. My own son has not set foot in a classroom in uh, a year now. And it's it's tough for a lot of people. So having said all that and knowing sort of where we are in the world right now, how tough is it for a salesperson to walk into uh, a business owner whose business may be off 40, 50 percent or more and try to sell them something? It seems to me that's that's pretty insurmountable. It's very or let's say it's more difficult now than it has been. Before I answer that question, as bad as COVID-19 was for the last 12 months, and even more prior to that, look how many things have come out of that are positive. Look how many new things were developed. Uh, you can have almost anything delivered to your home these days. I don't know if it is when the same in the rest of the United States, but you can now have liquor brought to your home in the state of Texas. Uh, that was unheard of before COVID. You take a look at some of the things that were developed, and many times it takes negatives to create positives. But going back to what you, you asked me about the difficulty for salespeople, yes, it is more difficult. But but the, the business keeps going, and business people and, and buyers still need what salespeople have. Now, the biggest problem I run into in dealing with a lot of salespeople is they can't get belly to belly or face to face with people because they don't want that that live interaction because of COVID. So much of the time they have to do it by telephone or by Zoom or another another virtual medium. But that doesn't mean give up. Matter of fact, the the more times you call or do whatever you have to do to get to a person, the closer you are to making something happen. So it's that it's that relentless mindset of nothing is going to stop me. But you have to sell yourself 100% on what you want to make happen first. Because if it's kind of fuzzy and you're not quite sure what you want, the odds of quitting and giving up are a lot higher. And I would think that that rejection, even under the best of circumstances, is something that, that salespeople have to figure out how to overcome on their own. And that may be one of the reasons why a lot of people just don't want to go into sales. They don't want to feel that rejection over and over again. Steve, I've got a, uh, a lot of friends in the, the movie and television business, who actors who go out and audition, and they're told no all the time. You're a little too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too whatever. If you're in sales, you're going to get a lot of rejection. Um, you've been doing this a long time. You've been teaching people a long time uh, how to be great salespeople and, and uh, to have that, as you call it, that relentless performance. How do you overcome that rejection that you get on a daily basis? Again, it's knowing what you want to have first. Let's go back to those in the entertainment business, especially actors and actresses. They are salespeople. Now, they may have someone selling them for them, but they're actually selling themselves on a regular basis. And anybody like that, including myself or any other salespeople, are on commission. You don't make money until you sell yourself. And 
once you start realizing how much money you can make, how much more you can make, rather than being paid a salary, it's amazing what your mind will do to help you understand what it takes to be successful on that. But it comes back, going back to what you asked about rejection, my, my talk that I do on the five core mindsets of relentless performance has five different areas that help salespeople, actually anybody, get past the rejection they have in life. The first one is to lock your sights. We need to know exactly what we have. We need to be crystal clear on what we want to achieve because once that happens, we begin to attract her to ourselves like a magnet what we need. The second one is to stop thinking. Quit letting negative thoughts get into your head because every time those happen, you have to keep yourself focused. You have to have that laser focus and a laser beam can cut through anything. Once you stop thinking and have that laser focus on what you want, you can make anything happen and get past that rejection. The third one is what I call own it, then own it. In other words, you have to become your success before you are successful. It's, it's the belief that you're already making uh, $200,000 a year as a commission salesperson. Once you have that belief locked in your head, you begin to attract to yourself, again, like a magnet, how to make that happen. Number four comes closer to what you asked me, which is eat nails for breakfast. That's following through regardless of, of how much pain you go through. You have to do the bad stuff. I think it was Mark Twain that said one time that the first thing the more you should um, uh, eat, eat a, a grasshopper or a frog, eat a frog. And the theory behind that is, is get that out of the way and the rest of the day becomes easier. So eat nails for breakfast. And number five is to bounce back. Every time something negative happens, you need to bounce back. Keep going no matter what, because the people that quit and give up are the failures that never achieved what they could. And it's it's you, you don't want to wake up one day and, and think about what could have been. You want to make those things happen right now. And the only way it can happen is by something you come up with and do to make those things happen and overcome all that rejection. Steve Klein is our guest today. You can visit him online at Steve aklein.com and uh, pick up his book. It's called, and I love the title, Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes. It's available at his website, amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Um, Steve, you obviously have, have done this very successfully for a very long time. So I'm sure at some point in your career, you've run into burnout. And uh, and I'll tell you, just from a, a personal standpoint, it's been a whole different world for me these past 12 months. Normally, I'm on airplanes a lot. I'm in different cities. I'm meeting with different people and have different stimulus. And now I'm doing a lot of what I do from home. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I am not being as, as challenged by different stimuli as I normally am. This weekend, I had several proposals to get through and a lot of writing. And I really had to sort of force myself to, to do it. And I even took the computer away from the desk and went over to the couch and tried to change up where I was. And I, I powered through it. But I guess my question to you is, for someone who talks about relentless performance, how do you push through uh, burnout? It's interesting. I've, I've had a number of times where I had that happen in the past where I was actually working for, at the time, radio stations where I just couldn't see something happening. And that's where burnout happens. Burnout happens when you can't see it. I worked for a radio station in Kansas, and I was the number two out of five salespeople. I was never going to be number one because the top salesperson had been there for 20 years. He had all the best accounts. 
And I decided I want to move back to a larger market. Uh, it was either going to be Chicago or Dallas. I eventually picked Dallas. When when I gave notice to my to my boss, uh, he told me not to tell anybody for for two days. I said that's fine. I won't tell anybody. The his boss called me up and had told me that they were planning on making me station manager for a small radio station in Casper, Wyoming. Looking back, I'm kind of kind of glad I didn't uh, didn't take that that position. But the reason I left that radio station is I couldn't see any place else I was moving. My boss never told me that I was up for a promotion. And the only only spot I thought of ahead of me was him, the general manager. He was not going to leave. I had burnout. I had to go do something else. As it turned out, the radio station I went to in uh, Dallas didn't work out either. Neither did the next one. And eventually, uh, right after that, I, I started my own business and realized I had absolute control over anything I want to achieve. Now, do I still experience burnout? Oh, maybe, but it doesn't last more than 10 minutes because I realize what I'm doing is what I want to do. What I'm doing also helps other people and what I'm doing, people will pay me money for. And I can control my income by focusing on how much I want to make and then making those things happen. Steve Klein is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast brought to you by SpeakerMatch.com. I think it's interesting you and I have, have that broadcast uh, background in common and specifically in the radio end where I spent the better part of three decades. And, you know, in the beginning I was a programming guy and an on-air guy and program director eventually rose through the ranks and became a general manager and bought some radio stations and I uh, was a broadcast consultant. And there were an awful lot of people who would just – you know, thumb their nose at, at doing sales. And, you know, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I have no interest in doing it. Well, now, you know, we're in a place where so many Americans have been thrown out of work by COVID-19. And and the big secret that a lot of people never, I think, wrap their heads around, the broadcasting business translates into almost all businesses. And that is that the salespeople are the direct line to the revenue of that business. The account executives make all the difference in the world in terms of how successful that business is. And so they are somewhat irreplaceable. You know, you if you're billing a whole bunch, you're going to be able to write your own ticket. Um, since there are so many people out of work today, Steve, is it is it possible that there are some people out there that cannot be taught how to do sales? Uh, and, and shouldn't try it, you know, or, or is that something that that everyone should consider in order to to help them steer their own ship the way you did? Well, I wouldn't suggest anybody go into sales with something they weren't a hundred percent focused on that they believe they're going to make it happen. But again, it comes back to the very beginning, and selling is really selling yourself. One of the things I did, and I'm going to give a, I'm going to share a little bit with you about myself. I was I had a very very poor self image growing up. I uh, won't go into the whole background of it, but I remember in high school, I was so shy that I'd have to look down at the floor as I went between classes. I couldn't look people in the eye. Wow. And I had the opportunity to, uh, I was doing a lot of singing. I was in in ensembles, uh, never singing solos, but singing within a group. And my voice is pretty good, and I, I fit in perfectly with the groups. And I had a chance to have a, um, a solo in a musical that we're doing my senior year in high school. The only reason I auditioned for it was because there was 10 guys auditioning and all the girls had left the room because there was no way that I was going to sing in front of any female at all. Well, as luck had it, 
there was two of us at the end of it. And by the time we got to the two of us, all the girls were back in the room and we had to continue singing. And I thought when I opened my mouth, nothing would come out. As it so happened, it did. And I got the part. The part was about a 30 second solo singing in front of 800 people on stage, acapella with no music. Wow. The day I did that, the night I did that, when I walked out on stage and I opened my mouth and I started singing, all of a sudden I realized I had absolute control over every single person in that room. From there, I decided to start understanding what it takes to be up in front of people. Uh, I took Dale Carnegie. I eventually started teaching Dale Carnegie. Uh, I teach people now how to learn how to speak in public extemporaneously. And it's amazing how we were taught that in school. That's part of the reason that I was at a poor self-image, because I didn't believe I could express myself in front of people. And that's essentially what selling is all about, expressing yourself effectively. So I would recommend that everybody become a salesperson of themselves to learn how to express yourself initially. I wrote a blog a number of years ago uh, for an organization, and the name of the blog was Why Selling and Dating Are the Same Thing. Because you need to find a prospect. You need to understand how to get that person to open up to you. There was a scene in an old um, uh, home improvement show a number of years ago where Tim's son was asking, what do I do? I'm on my first date. And Tim said, don't worry about it. Talk about yourself all night. His, <laughs> wa- his wife was behind him and she's shaking her, shaking her head. No. Well, the best way to get somebody to like you is to let them talk. You're letting me talk. How can I not like you for allowing me to be on a podcast and talk? That is a secret to selling. Shut up. Well, actually, let me say, ask questions, then shut up and let people talk. The most amazing thing we can hear is our own name. And you've given my name a couple of times over over the era as you've been talking about this. And it's the sweetest sound to me. So when it comes back to selling, we're all selling ourselves. But the best way to do it is ask people questions and then listen to them. That's it. I love what you said there because there will be a certain number of people who listen to the podcast and they listen every week because we have a huge variety of guests and and you know you're probably sandwiched in there somewhere between uh, you know a famous actor one of the Harlem Globetrotters and the lead singer of the Four Tops uh, and and so yeah. you know they they come for a variety of things but it's really not necessarily this conversation in my mind about selling a product or a service maybe you have no interest in being a salesperson and if so. Your advice is then don't do that, but selling yourself and and selling yourself whether it's to uh, you know a, a prospective boyfriend or girlfriend, or a, a prospective client, uh, somebody that you just want to be friends with. It's really about putting your own best foot forward there. Um, Steve, do people judge you by the words you use? You know, there's that old that old commercial: people judge you by the words you use for hooked on phonics. How how much do you agree with that? Uh, it's it's a piece of it. The, the better you speak, the better you come across, the better you are. I mean, there are comedians that will use nothing but four-letter words and some of the highest-paid comedians out there. But it's it's a lot of it has to do with the, the way you're doing it. Uh, I, I'm 
also involved with Speakers Match. I do a lot of speaking. I, I'll stand in front of a group and I'll speak for an hour. Uh, as it sounds, they think I'm speaking extemporaneously, but I, I know exactly what I'm talking about and what I want to say. But it's, it's different what I mentioned before because I said you need to ask questions and shut up. Before I work with a client and, and spend time with their people, I spend a lot of time with them finding out what their people want. I ask a lot of questions. So when I'm standing on stage, I'm able to say the things they want to or they, they need to hear. I also find out what they don't want to hear or some of the things I shouldn't be talking about using some of the negatives. I've heard a lot of speakers that are relatively success, successful that are not polished speakers. But the more polished we are in the way we speak, the more effectively we come across to people and the more people are open to us when we talk to them. With COVID, Steve, um, we're stuck behind masks an awful lot and you can't shake hands. And I'm an old school guy from West Virginia, right? So the first thing I do normally when I meet somebody new is give them a genuine smile because I'm happy to meet them and I stick my paw out and want to shake their hand. I can't do either one of those things now, and it feels really, really odd. And I wonder if, if because of those things, if we're all, uh, in essence, uh, figuratively, you know, sort of fighting with one hand tied behind our back here. Well, I um, have found it's not as much of a problem for me. I also have a podcast, and I do it a little bit differently. I take my equipment to the guest, and I do it right there in their office, and I do one podcast a week. It's called Playmakers Talk Show, and I've had very few people turn me down from coming to their office. I've only had one, actually, who uh, wasn't uh, quite comfortable doing that. That was because his wife had cancer, and he was really concerned about catching it and, and causing more harm for her. I found most people to be relatively open. Now, again, I'm dealing with an executive. I'm dealing with people that are running their company, primarily CEOs. But, yes, there's, there's a disconnect we're social animals. We like being with people. We like shaking hands. We like hugging people. We like looking them in the eye. It's, I have a difficult time hearing or, or understanding people when I can't see their mouth move because it's covered by a mask. Again, this is a problem, but problems are what causes to be successful. You can't have a solution without having a problem first. And by definition, anything that's a problem has a solution. And that's why I mentioned earlier that because of COVID, a lot of things have been invented. A lot of things have been changed because all of a sudden people had a problem and they had to find a way to get around that. And successful people make that happen. They they play the long game. They're looking for ways they can, get, they can solve the problem. And it was interesting, whenever we have problems, we come up with new ways to deal with that. One problem I had two weeks ago, I believe it was two weeks ago today, my computer died. I, my logic board went bad. The week it died is when we had bad, such bad weather in Dallas that all the stores were closed, including the place that I had to fix it. Right. I'm still without, my, still without my computer. And I thought that that would ruin me. What's interesting is I found out worker, I found workarounds around, uh, workaways around that so that I could get everything done, even though I didn't have the computer. I'm doing things I never thought I could do before because I'm solving that problem with new things that happened because of it. I love that. I love that you're able to figure out a way around and, and not just give up because I, 
I do see an awful lot of folks, and, and this will make me sound a thousand years old, right? So forgive me, but an awful lot of young folks who they've grown up in this instant gratification society where, uh, and it's a great thing. You can push a button and a million things happen electronically. And when that goes down, you know, and the wall is up, they, they haven't developed that skill set to go over the wall or around the wall or hell dig a tunnel under the wall if you need to do that. Um, and I, I want to touch on the technology piece before we wrap up. And Steve Klein has been our guest today. His book is sell when you see the whites of their eyes. Um, how much does technology help you in terms of your system and process? And, and secondarily, are you a systems and processes guy when it comes to, you know, to following up and remembering people's birthdays and anniversaries and, and that sort of thing? How much of a part does technology normally play in that uh, when, when your laptop is not on the fritz? Technology helps. And fortunately, I backed up everything. And I'm using an old computer to do some of the things, so it's only maybe 15 20%. But aside from that, I've been doing the follow-up. I've been doing the processes for 40 years. I've been doing it well before we had a computer that allowed us to have uh, spreadsheets electronically developed. There's no reason why you can't do it by hand. Technology is just gives us a little bit more time to do other things. And I remember on Saturday mornings I'd spent two hours doing my reports in terms of my activity myself and my salespeople did. Now I can do it in just a few moments with, with technology, but not having technology doesn't stop you from doing that. I found that out again over the last two weeks. It just makes it go a little slower. Sometimes you have a way to think more effectively. I'm a big fan of technology. I think technology is, is, is great for us. But I do know a lot of people that will not do anything when their technology goes down. If they can't use their computer, they can't use their phone, they just stop. There are other ways around that. And, again, it goes back to old school. And there's a lot of people that are younger than me that don't remember all those old school things that you and I probably did years ago. But technology is there to help us it's not there necessarily to solve the problem our guest on the big time talker podcast is steve klein you can visit him online and pick up his book sell when you see the whites of their eyes the website is steveaklein.com what does the a stand for nothing it's an a my my favorite president was uh, it was harry truman and when they put an s a lot of people put the period after it but the s stood for nothing so my middle, my middle initial, I, I changed my, my middle name to just an initial because he was my favorite president. So it doesn't stand for anything. It's just my middle initial, like Harry S. Truman without the period after the S. That's even better. That makes me remember you that much more. That's, that's terrific. Steve Klein, thank you for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Well, Burke, this was absolutely wonderful. Thank you for the great questions, allowing me to speak to your audience. Steve Klein's book is Sell When You See the Whites of Their Eyes. It's available at steveaklein.com and amazon.com, wherever great books are sold. Thank you, Speaker Match, for sponsoring the Big Time Talker podcast. Remember, you can even ask Alexa to play the Big Time Talker podcast with Burke Allen. I'll immediately come out of that little round echo on your desk. Wherever you go, whatever you do today, make it a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, everybody.